0: Welcome to Dangerously Likely, I'm Caleb, I'm Terrell, and I'm Torrance, and today we're Dangerously Likely to talk about the year 2021.
1: Let's go above the fold with this year's headlines, and I'll just take it from here, I guess, Uh, (laughs) as one does. But... As we've talked about on this pod multiple times, 2021 has been a wild year. It started with an uncertain election, an insurrection, the inauguration of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, the Senate flipping from Republican to Democrat. Thank you, Georgia. And then it just continued to build on that, right? The COVID-19 pandemic has yet to cease. We're still in the midst of a pandemic even to this day with new variants coming up. Um, Multiple states, multiple countries saw new waves due to the Delta variant. Now we're experiencing similar conversations around the Omicron variant. We also saw the end of the longest war the U.S. has ever been a part of. Um, While we might disagree on how we withdrew from Afghanistan, it cannot be understated that the withdrawal from Afghanistan was a monumentous moment for our generation, for our country, and for the world. Beyond that, we saw a rise in dictatorships. We saw a downgrade in democracy for the U.S. We additionally saw just the, the extent to which damage has already been done by a specific party as school boards came under attack due to mass mandates and vaccines as governmental organizations came under attacks due to restrictions, um, all in the name of protecting people. Lastly, we saw some of the saddest moments. We lost a lot of well-intentioned, famous individuals throughout um, the year. One most notably, we lost um, Prince Philip in the UK and we had a moment and we had a space, if you will, of just a full understanding of the impacts that previous generations can have as the Biden-Harris administration na- or went international to have better conversations around climate change, as they are now having conversations around what democracy looks like, even while our country sees a decline in voting rights Um, And a new pressure got put on the Supreme Court with abortion rights, um, again, voting rights, bearing arms, you name it. There's a lot of things happening. And 2021 has been a pressure cooker for that.
0: Yeah, what a year. (laughs) (laughs) It it feels like at every turn there was a new big news story that has been mentioned already by you. And (laughs) I, I don't know, like. 2021, what a weird year, like we had Joe Biden become president, which I thought was a good start to the year. <laughs>
1: and he's already served four years.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep. And I I don't know, like I'm always looking forward to New Year's when it comes to the end of the year. And this this one's been like a weird one. There's some some good stuff that's happened, but it's also just been absolutely exhausting, just like 2020 has. Hopefully 2022 brings a little bit more light.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that it's been, like you said, if you listen to the list of things that you kind of riddled off, it's been a year of highs and lows for certain, right? Like we've had, we, we started off on our, on, well we started off on a low note, right? With the insurrection, but I think that obviously the inauguration, oh, yeah. the first hundred days, the passing of the American rescue plan, like those were all very positive things. And I think that we were feeling some really positive momentum coming, uh, going into the spring. We had the, the release of the vaccines, the approval of the vaccines, the two dose, um, the, the two, the two doses that were expected bit, that were approved for two different vaccines mm-hmm. and the one dose for Johnson and Johnson. Now the emergence of a third dose to, to tackle, um, More aggressive, aggressively contagious uh, variants. I think that the downfall, of course, all listeners know how I feel about voting rights at the the state level in certain states, and then also now this ongoing fight for abortion rights that has come to the Supreme Court and is is poised to likely overturn Roe v. Wade or gut it uh, deeply. Um, So I think that I would say that, like my most common opinion when it comes to New Year's, is that. It's just an arbitrary marker, right? We're on to something yep. new. The fight continues. The work continues, and um, we've got we to we've got to stay engaged. But we we can use this this marker as a way to renew um, our commitment to it and, and renew our faith in what is possible.
1: And I'd be remiss not to take this opportunity because you highlighted something very important, Torrance. There's been a conservative narrative that this administration has done absolutely nothing in the not even one year that they've been in office. But as you mentioned, the American Rescue um planned act arpa was a transformative moment that cut child poverty in half or is projected to cut child poverty in half we passed two bipartisan bills through this current congress and this administration which has been unheard of in decades and generations if you will one that is highlighting um american innovationism and putting some challenges to foreign powers but, also, a bill that recognizes our infrastructure hasn't been touched since the fifties. There hasn't been an expansion mm-hmm. in our infrastructure in generations. It's been put on the states, and the states have been crippled by that. There's an actual understanding of policy and politics that has come specifically from this administration and even if you don't follow those policies and follow those topics, this administration's also been really thoughtful and really um intentional about understanding root causes. While you might not support their immigration policy, I will say I didn't know about the triangle of countries until Kamala Harris visited those countries to have a real genuine conversation about the root cause of immigration, not just this idea that has become the narrative from one party about building a wall when they get here, but understanding the hardships of the countries that they're coming from, the issues that are plaguing those countries and why people are actively moving. Even beyond that, understanding the importance of um our standing in the world and recognizing that it's more than just showing up it's building a relationship and building a connection again while there might be a conservative talking point that this administration has embarrassed us internationally Um, Our relationship with France grew stronger because Kamala Harris and President Macron have a closer relationship to have those conversations. And it's those type of narratives that I hope carry the way into 2022, so that we stop losing this repetitive act of they're not doing anything.
0: I also want to add, like, this year has been really interesting, but I also feel like we've talked a ton about climate change. Mm. And that's not something that we've talked about in years past as much. And while it's fair to say that there isn't like a ton of new stuff that we're doing with climate change. We did have the COP26, a lot of countries focused on or focusing on methane emissions, which is a big deal. There's a lot more investment with the bipartisan infrastructure deal. And hopefully this reconciliation package, hopefully that's passes by the end of the year, um, where the one thing that hasn't really seen a cut of, of spending has been climate change. And I think it just goes to show like, we are becoming, besides like the some of the natural disasters we, we felt as a nation this year that were kind of spurred on because of climate change, like we're talking about it and we are starting to put more money where our mouth is. And it's not enough right now, but the fact that we're getting there is, I think, hopeful when looking forward.
2: I also just want to go add like something that I think that became a little more prevalent or a more common conversation we were having um, is people's understanding of how and of course this is not to the extent that we would that we would hope and would wish it to be The people are coming to understand the dysfunction in our government and not from just a partisan level but from an actual um like I want to use the right language here um senate procedural from a procedural level excuse me sorry i had to find the right word i was not going to not <laughs> find the right word from a procedural level right understanding how the filibuster has really created a, a lot has been a roadblock to to progress when it comes to legislation kind of on both sides of the aisle and i think that bringing those kinds of things into the 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 mainstream dialogue that we're having as a country will help us understand how our government can work better or how we can change our government to work better for us as opposed to just the the, the partisan food you know food throwing yeah. back and forth
1: yeah i mean Our country almost went over a fiscal cliff that had never been seen before because of partisanship, the filibuster with the debt ceiling. Um, And even beyond that, we have a former president who I purposely kept out of my mouth this whole time, um, who escaped removal and disqualification from running, not because he wasn't guilty, but because his party took a stand to say, we don't feel comfortable voting against him. And those procedures have really become a base of understanding civics, understanding our government system, and hopefully um, putting some feet to the fire as we move forward. And we'll be right back.
2: As we discussed in the first part of today's episode in the Above the Fold, um, we got to get into some of the top political moments of the last year. Um, And now, as we often do, we want to have a little fun and have some really cultural conversations here on Dangerously Likely. We want to get into some of our favorite television shows, movies, and music that we've been listening to this year um, and have a kind of cultural conversation about what they mean in pop culture as far as our society and just what brings us joy in a year that's not been easy. I'm going to jump in and start uh, with music because I I, I love I've, music is something that is a, a through line for my whole life. It helps me do work. Um, it's a creative outlet for me. And obviously it's something that is entertaining. Um, and I would be remiss to not kick this off with uh, the all too well 10 minute version released mm-hmm. by Taylor Swift on her red Taylor's version um, re-release. I actually want to be open and say i didn't like all too well on the original red album the really half minute version i was not a big fan and here's why and i'll tell you and i think that it'll actually my reasoning will make more sense now that the 10 minute version exists which is i thought that it came off as like emotionally dramatic because it felt like it leaped from one thing to the like from like the Mm. beginning to the end in the original version right and i was like well this is a good song i don't dislike it i'm just like a lot of people like that's like their favorite Taylor Swift song. And for me, no. I was like, I could really do without it because I felt very strongly about like it was lacking real narrative to to be so dramatic in the feelings for a young girl. But actually, when you see the 10-minute version, something she wrote at that time, at that age, you actually understand the deep like emotional maturity of this songwriter to, to write a narrative so detailed, so poetic. And I'm obsessed with the 10-minute version. I mean, it is, I'm a huge, like I'm someone who like, If you saw my Torrance's playlist, my brief playlist that I put out, uh, a song that means a lot to me is the previous longest number one song of all time, which is American Pie by Don Mm McLean. And now All Too Well 10-Minute Version has become the longest number one of all time beating that out. Um, And in the same way that that tells a beautiful narrative about music, about life, about people, about emotions, so does All Too Well, the 10-Minute Version. And I absolutely loved it. Uh, I know, Terrell, you've listened. Caleb, do you have any opinions as well?
0: Yeah, I've listened to it and I think it's good. I'm not actually a huge Taylor Swift fan. And not it's a not Swifty. I'm not. And it's not because <laughs> I don't think that she isn't good because she is. I can respect um, a good artist and and the lyrics and the songwriter part of it as well. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. It's just one of those artists that I just don't connect as well with the music. That's fair. And that's just kind of where I'm at. But but. I think it's really cool that Taylor Swift has put out her own version of the songs, especially after all that stuff with the music industry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I can respect I can respect her 10 minute song being number one. That's awesome.
1: Well, I was going to add to that, too. Torrance, you mentioned like her ability to be a songwriter. What's interesting about All Too Well is she didn't technically write it. She heard a beat when she was doing sound check for some concert event. I just saw this in one of her um, interviews. And that song was completely ad-libbed. She was on stage and just sung out her emotions. She didn't actually physically write it. The writing didn't happen until the original version that was on Red, where she had to pull all of those parts a piece. This song wouldn't exist if it wasn't for her mom going up to soundcheck and saying, did you record that so that they could play it back? Which I think speaks to exactly what you're saying of... (laughs) Your face is everything. My
2: face? (laughs) This is new news. I'm tripping.
1: Which speaks exactly to your point, though, of she she wanted All Too Well to be on the album in its full version, but they said it was too long. It wouldn't go far. No radio station would ever play a 10-minute version. So it became All Too Well, the shorter version or Better Man, which I'm still a little annoyed that she didn't put Better Man on that album, but I digress. Um, But just like you said, it... I think the reason the original sounds the way it did is, one, it wasn't planned to begin with, but two, the pieces that help tell the story, she had to cut out because they were the longer doesn't connect, doesn't fit pieces, which goes to show how this was a song that she didn't truly write in intention for it to be what it became. And I just think that's phenomenal and just needs to be mentioned. <laughs>
2: It also just shows that like the 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 music the record um the recording labels in the music industry like those executives don't really always know shit right like they don't exactly. know what what the fans want because the, i mean God it's brilliant it's brilliant yeah <laughs> what, do, what what have you guys been listening to this year what have you guys feeling
1: the grip that Adele thirty has on my oh. soul <laughs> <laughs> amen cannot be understated overstated stated even um her ability to let us into her life through this album. I also bought the target version, which has three um, special releases, which are phenomenal and great. hundred percent recommend buying the physical album. Um, But just her willingness to let us in. And then the remembrance that this album is intended to explain divorce to her child. It's not just her talking about her emotions. It's really her trying to tell a story of, how do we get here? Never forget that I love you. Never forget that I do still love your dad because he gave me you. But there was there was just a point that I can't. And that's why my favorite song in that album is Woman Like Me, because I think that's where she breaks that a little bit and just explains you would never love someone like me. You never understood what I needed. You never understood who I was and your ability to be um complacent your ability to just go with the flow is not something that can sustain a person like me and i deserve to be able to say that and still to this moment hands down one of the greatest songs i think i've ever heard one speak to my own philosophy on love and being a person but two just a great opportunity for her to really come out and not be this person that everyone's like oh she's great this and that but Heard to say, like, no, I deserve this. I deserve consistency. I deserve someone who shows up for me. I deserve someone who understands who I am and takes that attention. And ugh, the album "To Be Loved," best written song. Like, "Mm." (laughs) my "Mm." god, it's it's
2: (laughs) remarkable. Quite frankly, I mean, vocally, it it is, and you know, just the lyrics, but vocally, it is is so amazing. Yeah, Yeah. it's truly beautiful. I mean, to that point, about thirty. I drink wine it kind of is it tells the narrative of how she gets to that space, right? For a woman yep. like me or kind of the hesitation and the doubt like is is her own ego getting in the way of being able to love the person she loves? Is, yep. is she ever going to be able to get over herself enough to remain in this marriage, right? Like that, that I mean, I think is a very, very strong sentiment. And I think the way that she Ordered the songs, tells the story in a way that helps you understand the entire emotional journey that she was on, the doubts about her child, her being confused with my little love, right? Like mm-hmm. I drink wine, is it my ego or do I really deserve this? Like the questions she poses in these songs to herself and kind of like the internal dialogue that you that you clearly see she was having. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's also just very emotionally mature too, right? Like to be asking yourself these questions in the midst of such sorrow.
1: Yeah. And then hold on comes immediately after that where she talks about the emotional piece of... I've hit this point where I feel like the street I'm walking on is trying to swallow me whole. I've hit this burden of I'm at a crossroad where I can only make one of two decisions and neither of them feel appropriate to me at this time. And it's just, again, she convinced Spotify to take away their shuffle ability for this album because she understood that she was telling a full length story through these songs. It wasn't a, you pick and choose. And just like you mentioned, you can go from, woman like me to i drink wine to hold on and those songs in that order are explaining who she is how she's trying to grapple with it in her relationship and then when she understands that there's only one option she can take and how emotionally burdensome it was also i would just like to add i'm convinced her child is peppa pig because in my little love he sounds like peppa pig he he just he does like but at all that like all,
2: yeah. At <laughs> all, I know that at all is so cute. Yeah, I cannot help it.
1: <laughs> While we fanfare, Kayla, what was yeah, your, it's your what was your go to? Awesome. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Listeners know how we can ramble on. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. No. I. It's it's funny listening to you to talk about music and whatnot because you kind of go into the depth of what the song is and whatnot, and I'm like, not as. Like that, you know, I, I'm very much a person that really likes alternative music. I like the way music makes me feel, not necessarily always hearing what the lyrics say. And so like some of the songs that felt really vibey for me this year was After Coffee by Joy Wave. Um, that's kind of like a breezy alternative tune. It's really fun to listen to that song with the windows down on kind of a warmish summer day and through the mountains or whatnot. 20 Long Years by Lord Haran. Honestly, the whole album um long lost was so good mm-hmm. i loved just I, I don't know how to explain it it's just like it's kind of about his life and whatnot and i don't know it's a vibe it's on a, it's a little bit of a more slow sadder note but Lord Huron has always had some good tunes and it's really fun to listen to him around the campfire uh my house by declan mckenna not much to say here just a fun upbeat song that i think is pretty um unique but also interesting no yeah. time to die is probably the by Billy Eilish. No time Her to whole
1: die. album this year.
0: It's, honestly, it was, it was, yeah. it was great, but I really like no time to die. And this kind of goes over to the movies and films that we'll be talking about. Um, no time to die. The James Bond movie, mm-hmm. um, the end of an era with Daniel Craig was really interesting to me. It's one of my favorite movies of the year, but I also don't know if it was a movie that was anything. I think it was above average. I don't know if it was a masterpiece. Yeah. No time to die at the very beginning with the opening credits. I just love, I don't feel like we get these kind of spy movies anymore. It's just kind of the classic and just the opening scene with Billy Eilish singing, no time to die. Mm-hmm. Really good. I just felt like it really encapsulated the whole bond series really well. And then of course, industry baby. Hypes me yeah. up every time. Yes. please. Oh, yes, industry please. Baby. I
2: still listen I to it. Don't. By Lil Nas. Lil Nas. I will not. It's, so in, it's incredible. It's, to, it's incredible good. for him too. Mm. Like, Music this was really good, good writing. Yeah. yeah, the music video is mm. amazing and pretty iconic, right? And I also think mm. that the the writing on that was a, a new side or a more ma- mature as far as a songwriter, right? And a rapper goes for Lil Nas X and then also supported by an incredible verse by Jack Harlow uh, on Industry Baby. Mm. I I agree, uh, Caleb. I thought that it was a, certainly a moment uh, in music this year.
1: Let us talk about the real LGBTQ, like, song of the year, Kiss Me More, I'm in that. But I just... Industry Baby really wasn't all that for me. Like, let's talk about how Doja Cat came into her own in 2021. Let's talk about how...
0: I do like Doja Cat a lot.
1: How her and SZA literally made one of, I would argue, the greatest dance pop songs of a generation. And it's become a way that people literally are coming out to other people. Like, that little ding is playing in my head right now. And my my whole wrist just fell over. Like that, that has become <laughs> a part of that song. My whole wrist just fell my whole over. wrist, Like <laughs> to the forearm. It was deep. Um, yeah. But like <laughs> great industry baby was like, eh. I also just really I don't like it. I just don't really like little no X. am not going
2: to lie. Oh, see, I knew the shade would be in there somewhere. That's wasn't the shade. Really,
1: I just don't like it. getting
2: shit in here.
1: Um, I just don't like but, him. I don't care for his brand of music. <laughs> Your mic also heard "Kiss Me More" and was like, "Ding." <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, it just fell over, friends. That's what he's laughing at. Um, well, I did want to add some add some mentions too on the more alternative uh, alt rock pop rock. Uh, as Caleb was on, which like, I know you guys are know that I'm a big fan of uh, the band Camino, who released their um, debut self titled album. Mm-hmm this year and i I got they were supporting um dan and shay on tour and they're amazing Uh, i love them i I am hoping for a lot for them as the next year starts they're going on their own um headlining tour um but songs from their album just a phase and get it your way are really really incredible um and if you haven't kind of explored this band at all i really would implore you to to take a listen and also take a look at their story because they're they're pretty cool
1: artists absolutely
2: so, um, onto just kind of their more natural segue, cause I do have some comments on, on film, uh, Caleb, you were, you were referencing no time to die as something that you were watching this year.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I actually had not watched the Bond films. I just watched the first Daniel Craig Bond film the other day and I'm on, I'm on a, uh, the path to watching them all, which is so weird because I love spy movies actually. So like, it just kind of is, it was not intentional necessarily that I didn't, hadn't watched them. um, but i'm really looking forward to kind of i really enjoyed the first one i really really enjoyed it and i'm looking forward to watching the rest of them they're classics honestly
1: you can't go wrong with a single installment of the 007 series in my personal opinion yeah
0: i i also liked no time to die because i felt like it really passed the buck really well
1: that's what everyone has said about that movie and i i
0: just feel like it wasn't like a big deal like movies when it comes to cultural mo- matters, sometimes like Marvel movies and stuff, like really kind of
1: show you like
0: like an end game.
1: End game. Something. I was going to say it's like
0: all the women superheroes like come together at one point to like be badass, and it's like, but I, also, I don't really mind about that. But like, you're doing it intentionally, and it's yeah. like kind of obvious. Whereas I thought the Bond movie was just like really nuanced and just did it in a very like, no, this is like a normal, yeah, this is normal, yeah. I, mean, I don't, I don't know. Oh. I, I just thought it was it did a really nice job of that where it wasn't. I can't lot. wait to see.
1: Yeah. yeah, I was going to say like to end an era I'd be, I'd be with interested what you think to end an era with the Avengers, though, like you literally saw some of the most noteworthy characters perish to really set in stone like this is over. And I I have not seen um, the new installment to the James Bond movie, but I would assume that Daniel Craig doesn't die. Um, and even if he does, I would assume that it's done in a way that it's not. This is how we're ending an era, but really, just a this is how his story naturally had to end, which I do appreciate more than you'll see in a superhero movie.
2: Yeah, I'm, I can't wait to. I'm I'm happy for no spoilers there because I'm like, guys, I'm on a mission, a <laughs> yeah, mission, I have no uh, clue what happens, <laughs> mission for 7 So I I need to watch all of the films before we we have any spoilers. So I appreciate that. Um, kind of on that note, as you guys were talking about um, Marvel, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I was talking to you guys earlier off off air about how, like for me, I love film for like two 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 different reasons, right? I'm an actor. Oh, I, I guess we haven't told the cast that I, or the listeners that I just got cast in a, in a play that I'm going to be doing, um, in August, an August an August Wilson play. And so like when I watch television, like there's kind of like a twofold for me. It's like one, I'm either like thoroughly entertained. Great narrative, like I love action movies, I love spy movies, I love the Mar the Marvel movies. Um but then there's also like the side of me that like really appreciates like a beautifully written narrative and a an incredibly acted movie and something that's shot beautifully with great cinematography and an and incredible directing, right? Like great intention is taken with this project in a way that is intended to be I'm an award worthy film right and not that that's not the same case right with those action movies with those with those Marvel movies and I would make the argument that the Marvel movies are certainly moving in that direction right Um, with more critical acclaim starting with Black Panther and with Endgame right but um, uh, more specific this year one that really like that I really really enjoyed was Eternals uh, because I think that it did something that is really important for films and television and art to do in general which is to move the narrative of our society forward with representation um, and eternal saw the the first, the first gay MCU superhero um, played by Brian Ty- Tyree Henry. And then also with the um, the mute or, or in-depth uh, superhero who I think plays like a huge heroic role in that movie. And so like, yeah. obviously this was, a, this was helmed by Chloe Zhao um, who also directed Nomadland and, and got critical acclaim for, for that as the director. And she does these sweeping um, cinema, cinematography um, shots that I, were very present in Eternals. And I just thought that it was a beautiful film. And I think that it does what's super important, which is move the the, the societal narrative forward, using film and art as, as a medium.
1: I still need to watch that. Same. <laughs> but also on that note, I, of course, have to bring up DC because I'm not the biggest Marvel person. But I, I do appreciate and think that the Snyder Cut of Justice League was, even though I completely forgot it happened this year, was a monumentous moment for the exact reason um, you mentioned, Torrent. uh, It broke that wall between production and the fan base. And it was 100% moved by social media to say, we weren't satisfied with the version you gave us. We know that there's more. We know that there's a different version. We want it. And obviously capitalism would take advantage of that because they knew they would get huge sales. But what I do think is interesting there specifically is it didn't immediately go to theaters because we were still in the midst of a pandemic. It went to HBO. So you're paying what? I think it's nine, nine, $10. I kind of lost track how much I'm paying for HBO because it just (laughs) taken out at this point, but (laughs) it was a subscription and you got an opportunity to continuously watch it, which again, played into this in my personal opinion, Um, this new break between how production, how Hollywood gives us content, it really gave an opportunity to say, okay, the fans want this, we're going to make an extenuated effort. And the Snyder Cut was leaps and bounds better than the Justice yeah, League version so that much, we received. It was, it was yeah, so it was much so, better. And
0: for those who complain that it's too long, like it's Suck like it it's, up. it's in seven sections. It's just pause it a section if you don't want to watch four hours straight.
1: It's also not that much longer than endgame. Yeah. Mm. It's not that much longer, You're I right. don't think. It's like an hour. Yeah. It's fine. I
0: don't know. I it, I agree. It's it was so, worth it. It's so much better. <laughs> it was worth watching it. Yeah. I I, don't, I just remember Justice League coming out and it was bad. And a lot of DC movies I think that come out these days don't seem to be the best. But Justice League, hey 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 hey, the hey.
1: Batman is coming and it's going to be phenomenal. I and I will, really, not, I will not, I will not. That hasn't that. come out yet. <laughs> I'm just saying that some of them,
0: it's, it's it yeah. seems like some of the mainstream ones that come out like just are kind of disappointments. Some of Absolutely. them have been, and mm-hmm. Justice League was one of those. And this was just so. I'm just so glad that happened because that was just a feast.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm looking forward. I mean, I would say that certainly I prefer the Marvel movies, but I'm like, I'm very much into the DC television shows, and I'll certainly be touching on that a little bit later. But yeah, I think you're you're kind of right, Hila. Like there is less there's less DC like motion picture content that I think lives up to the standard of DC and they yeah. do so much better in execution maybe because it requires more detail, right? Like the episodic nature of television shows allows the, them to tell the story and the detail that each character mm-hmm. narrative deserves. Right. Um, and certainly I'm sure there's a, a debate to be had on that, but I also am over the whole, like this movie is too long thing. Like, art is art and it needs to be told in its full form and you if you cannot like sustain that kind of focus then maybe that piece of art's not for you but i don't think that the artists themselves should have to um censor cut or regulate what they their, their vision because of the audience and then and then a lot then the audience being mad that they feel like they didn't get the fucking full story
1: yeah. right like yeah it's all just kind of like folds in on itself a full circle moment all too well. Great example.
2: Right. Yeah, no, seriously. I was thinking the same thing back in my head. I was like, well, you know, when you, want, when you get the whole story, you might like it. Like,
1: <laughs> but I do think this plays a good segue to going to television a little bit more because it's no secret to our listeners. We are HBO Max people
2: yeah I would probably. but I would be remiss if we depart from film without like a few Dude. like very very important I don't mentions of course, like especially yeah, with the death the death of Steven Sondheim. Uh, I just got to see Steven Spielberg's uh adaptation of West Side Story and it's i mean it's it's beautiful it's 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 absolutely incredible it's it's simply um that's a hard task, right like I guess mm-hmm. if there was anyone that was up to it would be Steven Spielberg. but it was done so well. I think that the reimagining keeps the, the 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 very core content of the story. Obviously, it's a Shakespeare adaptation, right, of Romeo and Juliet. Um, but it brings in some of the, the pieces that are on the stage that, that did not make it into the original film. Specifically, a transgender character named Switch, who who really plays like a, a pretty vital role throughout the film. Um, but it's it's absolutely beautiful. Um, the the actress Ariana, I think Dem- Dembrose or Dumbro, who plays Anita. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is going to be another opportunity for the Anita character, like Rita Moreno played her in the original film, um, to really be a standout. She gives an absolutely beautiful performance. She was you know, made famous um, in Hamilton, the stage production of Hamilton and Broadway, and also then um, as the main character in uh, the Prom musical on Netflix. Yeah. Um, she was really really incredible and then just a few other like honorable mentions which would be i think like house of gucci uh, directed by ridley scott that just recently came out um and and gaga gives a, a truly incredible performance in that mm-hmm. um and then also dune by uh dennis villanueva is the director on that with starring timothy chalamet um and i would want to say like starring zendaya but that's just simply untrue um because she's in like about <laughs> she's simply in like seven minutes of she gives the, whole, the like,
1: most iconic out. line let's go with it maybe in part yeah. two maybe in, yeah. oh, but
2: but two it's two. but it's it's an incredible incredible. Yeah. Um, uh, remake, and I I really enjoyed it.
1: You do yeah, bring up a good. good you do bring up a good point too because I would be remiss not to bring up Passing as the movie I personally feel can dethrone Citizen Kane, which has been renowned as one of the greatest movies of all time because of how it uses lighting to tell a narrative, tell a story. It had a really bad storyline in my personal opinion, but Passing does an amazing job from that lighting perspective to carry a story of being biracial in this country um, and what it means to really show up. And you get drawn in, you become a part of the scene in every moment of is this person going to get caught? Why, why are they even taking this chance? Why are they doing it? It was so well put together and carried not only by narrative, but carried truly by its imagery. I need to see that. You do.
2: Yeah. Tessa, Tessa Thompson and ruth nega uh it's yeah give
1: incredible performances this is why i appreciate you because you know the directors and actors and actresses (laughs) where i can just tell you about the story when you get into names i'm gone
2: (laughs) yeah my my obsession with the details is like i I can't help i have to know like i really do have to know also because as an artist i'm like well you you do want the credit to be associated with the project that you've worked really hard on right so like that's why i try to be very intentional about the directors i even went so far as to, like to make sure I had the right directors for some films I didn't know off the top of my head. Yeah, credit where it's due, right? You know.
1: But also, let's not forget the revival of horror movies because Halloween Kills was really, really good, and we're going into another. There's going to be another one. Also, Scream Five is coming. Like, mm. horror movies are stuff. making a comeback finally, and I'm really excited. For and I'm here
2: for that. Mm-hmm.
1: Anyone who knows me, I literally will go to sleep watching a horror movie. So. <laughs>
2: Also, I'm a Mike Myers horror. like Stan. Like I yeah. love Halloween, the Halloween franchise. Like I love it so much. Yeah,
0: I um, I'm gonna give a little bit of representation to anybody in our audience who lists or or plays video games. And yeah. there's yeah. this game called Dead by Daylight. And you can get it's basically a asynchronous four versus one kind of game. Where you have four survivors versus one killer, and they take yeah. a bunch of pop culture killers. And I have Michael Myers, and he's so fun to play with in that game.
2: <laughs> oh because, God, that would be great.
0: Because most of the car- most of the killers have like this terror radius thing, where if you're a survivor, you can hear your heartbeat starts to go faster and faster when they get closer. But Michael Myers doesn't have that, so it's really freaky <laughs>
2: if you're the survivor. <laughs> Which is like true to his character. No, I was he's gonna really say, <laughs> <really> <laughs> yeah. he's very
0: true. It's yeah, really it's really scary in the game. Yeah. It's so fun though. Holy crap
1: yeah just the pop culture moment of Halloween also my fave. <laughs> the memes that came out of this movie of putting Michael Myers face on Michael Jordan's body because he took it personally like if you have not seen the movie I very much recommend and then I recommend going to Twitter and just searching Halloween kills because you will see some of the best memes in pop culture <laughs> to date because
2: at some point that serial killer is the fucking hero it's like you can't kill that bitch <laughs> Literally, <laughs> <laughs> at, so, at some point, no, at some point, know. he's got to get credit where it's due on that one. <laughs> like, it's... it's like
0: those stupid guns don't kill you; Michael Myers kills you. Accurate, no,
1: <laughs> actually <laughs> accurate, and especially if you watch the movie. <laughs> one of the Should worst, them, one man. of the worst murders I've ever seen on the big screen happened in that movie. Not worse because it was gruesome or horrid; worse because the character deserved better. And the idi- the idiocracy that was portrayed for that to happen, and the intelligence of Michael Myers, just mm.
0: the character deserved a better kill.
1: Yes, they did because guns don't kill you, Michael Myers does. Ah. so anyway, <laughs> moving on. Before I literally yeah, get into it,
2: so as you were segueing before, and, and as long, like I mentioned. Um, television shows and specifically like my interest in and dc television shows this year they put out some i think really incredible content Mm -hmm. um i will go ahead and not hog the mic and toss it to you guys first what have you guys been watching
0: i mean i think we can all agree we even have an episode about this where we talked about it uh it's a sin was beginning of the year one of the best shows that i think we all watched and i mean i don't know if there's i mean we do we actually had a whole episode about it but just it's a five episode limited series and i think it just really captured um the joy and the i think sadness is i wish i had a better descriptive word there but the sadness of Mm -hmm. the like hiv era in the 80s especially in the uk specifically new new season of sex education so good yes so
1: good so good gives you everything (laughs) you need and also takes it away really quickly
0: yes um, (laughs) it does it does
2: I still haven't watched guys. And like, it's because, ah. quite frankly, I've seen too much information about it. That's and like, and, and and it's giving me great anxiety because I have over myself in certain relationships on the show. And now I'm like, you mm. will. I've seen too much content to just willingly have my heart ripped from its chest while beating. It like, gets put, put back together good. a few it,
1: times. It, it does.
2: A few know. times. Actually... That just feels like repetitive tra- trauma. <laughs> Do
1: you watch Grey's Anatomy?
2: Case in point. Exactly.
0: I will say in the season three of Sex Education, there was an early relationship that ended quickly that I felt like could have used more time to hash out. Hundred percent. I'm a little upset that it didn't
1: because, but I think it it
0: it kind of makes sense. But I'm like,
1: wait, which actually now I'm thinking about it, which one are you speaking of? Girl and guy, or guy and guy, or girl and non-binary, girl and or guy and (laughs) non-binary. I love that. I love the representation on that. Yeah. Well, also Guy and Guy, I think could have yes. gone longer. Also, Guy and non-binary could have gone longer. That one, yes. I think the I
0: think
2: we're not gonna go into it's much.
1: not it, too I mean very thoughtful, thoughtful how a little, not
2: too many. Hello, Graham Cracker. Uh, I mean very thoughtful of how to get
1: people interested, of like, oh, there's a non-binary character, there's this, there's that, without telling them too much, because even saying which one's no, which.
0: The whole show's good. Just watch it. Honestly, watch when you it.
1: if you watch the show now that I think about it. After saying that, that still brings up four other relationships that I didn't even think about until just now. <laughs> and that one's on
0: Netflix, not HBO. So yes, there you go, audience. Yes, yes. A Netflix show.
1: One thing I did want to add before we jump, It's a Sin was the last time I cried this year. I just realized after you said that. And that <laughs> I think that speaks to the power that that mm-hmm. specific television series had. Again, listeners, not surprised. I don't show emotions. It's just it's how I keep myself sane but that movie really broke my heart and still to this day I choke up a little bit because it was the last two episodes were by far two of the saddest episodes I've ever watched on television. Yeah.
2: yeah I were, mean yeah, they were yeah. well done. Yeah. 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 The whole content I think was was handled well.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, it was it was phenomenal. Uh just rattling off a couple more shows that I really like yeah. succession which is still going on. I know that so trolls over here giving a thumbs down because <laughs> he dislikes anything <laughs> it's not good. that other people like
1: it's not good.
2: See, it's just not good. It really. Torrance, truly I need you to
0: watch it and back me up on this one.
1: Uh, one um, could. Ma-
2: I mean, well I mean, this many people can't be wrong about it. You know, yeah. what I mean, like, like I don't even have to watch
1: it to like understand. I'm not that you to like, jump on the bandwagon. I'm not. I'm just it's, saying, it's, it's not, not good even like show. a. It's just not like I liked it before it was popular, though. So. That is true. true. I tried to watch it before it was popular too. So this whole argument of I just don't like it because <laughs> it's popular <laughs> is it true? I watched the Pontrarian. first. I watched the five <laughs> first five episodes and I just. I couldn't relate or buy into the family. And if I can't relate to it, I just turn it off. And that's absolutely fair. Certainly.
2: I agree with that. that. So if you put like the honest effort of trying and you couldn't succeed, like, I mean, I, I mean, to be honest, that's what I did. I started it and I can't say that I was like blown away, overly interested in keeping, keep to keep on going. Not that I didn't like it or couldn't recognize kind of how well it was written, the acting, I mean, the narrative that was being constructed, but I just, for some reason I was not, Buying into it, and perhaps that has a little bit to do with the fact that we're the two people of color at this table, <laughs> and we cannot identify with the with the massively rich white family with a lot of drama.
0: Uh, but so, I so.
1: around everywhere.
0: But I also think that's intentional. No, I know the show, and I think. Oh that's yeah. What another point of it that makes it interesting? Yeah,
1: but like the newsroom is better. Newsroom's good. Amen and it does that's the it, show. it does the exact about shows I know t- but it does t- the exact same thing <laughs> as succession but it just tells it from the perspective of the anchor mm-hmm. versus the execs but the execs play a huge role in that yeah I think that's better well written and actually carries something versus succession and just like what well, was me I'm like I don't care Anyway, I'm done ranting about what, my dislikes. What Su- about my
2: power and my money? Yeah, that's exactly that, is, that, does, feel like, that does feel the succession through line there. Um, well, I mean to jump in on some of the specific yeah, yeah. things that we alluded to earlier. I had a really big year with uh, Fong for some DC shows. I the third season of DC Titans, which was originally released on the DC platform, but now is on the HBO Max platform. Yeah. Um, th- I think that's doing the grit of DC comics well right? Like it has the emotional depth. It has the non PG version of these conversations. And it also addresses like, what is being a literal vigilante look like in in, in society? Because not everyone's going to agree with you. Not everyone's going to think you're right. Not everyone's going to see you as a hero because at the end of the day, you ultimately are taking no law or anything into you're taking the, your own actions in your own hands without having any due process. Any you know, like there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things about superheroes that is cause for like a societal debate. Right. And I think that yeah. DC Titans does that very, very well. Um And I think that that's like, I like that realism they bring into an escapist kind of uh, show. Um In addition to that, this was really kind of shocking to me. Superman and Lois on the CW was a DC show that I think really Departs from this kind of like, and I, and I don't want to like make anyone upset. Like this kind of like kitschy, unbelievable, um, DC run that they've had with like the other DC shows on mm-hmm. CW. Like the 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 emotional depth, the narrative depth is not the same. And I think that Superman and Lois kind of takes a a note out of the Titans book as far as DC goes and puts it in like a TV fourteen setting and says, here we can have these hard conversations. And there's a much more like deep emotional root to these characters and the 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 challenges that they face being superhuman right um and i it's it's really well done and i'm like really much very much looking forward to the second season that comes out in in january and i would recommend it to absolutely anyone okay maybe that's one of the shows yeah, I watch over break. i was gonna say i
1: might put that <laughs> on my list because i have not seen it and now i'm intrigued <laughs> no i mean if i can just add in i i'm gonna talk more in platitudes here because i think two big things happen in television that we have not fully understood um, one, the American Horror Story franchise both expanded and contracted at the same time because now you have your American crime stories. They did um American short stories, which I actually thought were really well done, but the American Horror Story franchise just seemed underdeveloped this season because of all of these other pieces. If anyone saw double if anyone saw double feature, um feel free to send us an email, let us know how you feel. I personally liked one segment of Double Feature over the other, but I understand how they pulled them both together. And at the same time as this is happening, I think the New York Times has become the first printed media form to understand the digital age the best. Um, I say this because at the start of the year, they did a... um, hulu special to announce well this end of last year to announce who they were endorsing for president Um during this year they've had specials on britney spears janet jackson i think they did a short one on just celebrities overall so like michael jackson whitney houston um how uh, narcotics played into their lives blah blah, blah 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 but they have really started to set a new tone that i don't fully think we've comprehended um of how media can one change a narrative because in both the Britney Spears and Janet Jackson situation, they played a huge role in those women's um, ultimate consequences and downfall. Um, and Britney Spears, they are the ones who kept telling the stories that she was unhinged, that um, she needed help, that she needed this and that in Janet Jackson situation, they were the ones who played up the, um scandal that came out of the Super Bowl but in their depictions and their documentary that was very absolved and very rewritten to just say like yeah all of this happened and look at all of these other players that you should focus on not us which is going to have huge ramifications as we move forward and especially because these have been driving factors in the free Brittany movement in the justice for Janet movement like they're going to have such huge implications and I know I keep saying that because I just haven't fully grasped what those implications might be.
2: Well, I'm just curious to see how they they handle those things. Because, I mean, I would say, and you know that I'm very pro-media. Obviously, it's what I studied. I think that it plays a, a very important role in our society. But, I mean, with those two specific uh, scandals or situations, I don't want to call them a scandal because, quite frankly, that's unfair to, the, to those women. Absolutely. Um, that they they told the story. They shaped the narrative. They, mm-hmm. they, they have as much fault in all of this as basically anyone else right like yeah. i mean they ran with stories without knowing the full narrative and and i'm really happy that they're revisiting them right and, and trying to retell the narrative and kind of correct a wrong but without taking um responsibility for their culpability in in those narratives that they created um and also the role that they played specifically the way that the media hounded uh Britney Spears as mm-hmm. as a young woman the way that they played like they oversexualized her the way that she was constantly a victim and then I mean, and they they terrorized that young woman um when things were going wrong in her life and they play a, they have responsibility i think in that and also a responsibility in, in showing to the world or, or making a case to the world that this was a young woman who did need to be under a conservatorship right via the way that they painted her in in, in public right so i am very interested on that but i do think that you're right when you make the claim that uh, the new york times is kind of the first print um, print media that is kind of venturing into television in a way that kind of feels fluid and makes sense
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. I got to mention Doom Patrol because I haven't been watching the third season as much lately um, as I probably should. It's There's a little bit of cheesiness in it, but it's a DC show on HBO Max that I think does an incredible job at creating these crazy, weird things you haven't really seen before, like situations. Mm-hmm. Um, that all the characters kind of get into that are very unique based off the character's own, like, superpower and whatnot, and not all of them are, like, the superpowers you might think of. And by doing so, uh, you find these characters in these incredible emotionally depth situations that I don't, it's, like, it's, like, very relatable, yet it's in a unique situation that you would have never thought about that, kind of brings that forces that conversation to kind of happen and i just think that everyone should go check that out doom hbo max
2: and correct me if i'm wrong those characters in doom control kind of are well i know that some of them are very much you are introduced to them in the first season and second season of the dc titan show um and then also some Mm -hmm. of them on the suicide remake is the suicide squad remake um
1: yeah
2: and so that's an interesting kind of intersection of, of dc um Characters and narratives I also want to kind of depart from that and make sure that we mention some more again um, I would say Artsy dramatic uh, television shows kind of like mayor of Easttown which yeah. won um, the, the Emmy for for best limited series which gives a Gripping performance uh, by Kate Winslet and also tells I think a very important story about a specific demographic of people in our country mm-hmm. um, yeah. And I think Kind of it tells I think helps illustrate perhaps why some of those people have the political beliefs that they do right And i also, I think that these are important yeah. important you know pieces of information for us when we look at society as i think is the important role of art and television and film etc um, and then also um the the gene smart right with um hacks which is another hbo max show mm-hmm. yes, which is a, a dramedy that is rich and smart and well written and um Jean smart uh shows up in an incredible incredible way and she did she did get her flowers um
1: uh, at the Ami so it's very very exciting. You deserved it too I never saw any of these so I'm just going to sit here and enjoy your How interpretations. How about you sit on the couch and watch the shows I could do that but I just don't watch <laughs> yeah. a lot of television normally like I know I've highlighted I, I've, a few shows here but
0: I've been on a little bit of a hiatus from watching TV to be honest Yeah, but that's mostly because again representing all the video gamers out there I've been playing a lot of <laughs> Halo lately <laughs> And I've played through all the campaigns in the last few weeks of Halo. I know.
1: Unfortunately.
0: Well, I just want to say that, like, in terms of movies and stuff, that might be the best story I've heard this year. It's just the whole Halo story. And how it's. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It's a choice. (laughs) I don't know. You got to play. You got to play through it. But yeah, it's. I don't know. The way that video games can tell a story is like, I think, seen by many as like, oh, you're playing video games. That's kind of childish or whatnot but it's just an engaging form of media that's really what it is yeah and i yeah, think like I the, the halo story that sci-fi i never realized that it's like as big if not bigger than star wars in some way and like the way that it talks about humans and like aliens and different ancient species and all, how it brings all of that sci-fi together i think is just a really well thought out way hmm. and it's really interesting to play through
2: well, I mean, in, to to go off of that, to, to help wrap us up here, I think we're talking about entertainment and media, whether that's gaming, whether that's film, television, music. Um, we on this show, obviously, very much focus on politics and current events, but in an effort to understand our society, right, to understand our country, um, to understand our fellow humans. Um, and as I've said several times in this very episode, I think that these mediums are a way for us to get to know each other better without always being able to have the opportunity to be exposed to one another, to hear each other's stories and narratives, to um, extend that empathy to one another, you know, out of understanding of your circumstances and experience. And I feel very strongly about the role the art plays um, in our society because without so much of theater and film and music... We would not have seen some of the advancements in, in society that we have when it comes to equality, when it comes to mm-hmm. a representation. Yeah. Like those things have changed our country, and they sometimes play just as important a role as, say, policy when it comes to changing the minds of the people. Because within a democracy in which we are self-governed, we have to change the minds of the people to make any sort of real um, progress with our society. It can never just happen by the law or by the pen. Um, it has to happen with the hearts and you know, the people as well.
0: And we'll be right back
1: so to close um i really normally would do a tangent but i think it'd be really cool to since we've already been talking about this year in review to kind of look forward and and speak to or maybe have a tangent if you will of what you're looking forward to um, especially because for all our listeners, we will be going on a little bit of a hiatus. Um, I'm looking forward to this, so I'm going to save it for that piece, but we will be taking a break to do some really interesting things and we're super excited to share with you all, but looking forward, Torrance, what do you got?
2: Um, yeah, it's kind of in conjunction with that hiatus. Um, I, as I mentioned kind of earlier in the episode, guys, I was just cast uh, in a stage play, um, in- a production of august wilson's joe turner's coming gone um which is a part of his century cycle um and i'm playing jeremy furlow which is um one of the main characters in the show and i'm i you guys have kind of i think heard me talk and allude about my acting but this is kind of since the pandemic has ended. this has been my first opportunity uh to get back into it uh this is something i care deeply about i can't wait to kind of cut you guys up on it when we come back from a hiatus i'll be kind of in the middle of a rehearsals and production at that time um but I'm really looking forward to kind of sinking my teeth into this creativity and into this this role. Um, August Wilson is one of the is you know in my opinion the most prolific African American playwright of the 20th century, having um, written such things as people might be aware of Fences um, and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Those are August Wilson uh, plays that have been adapted into films, uh, and. This this theater that I'm doing that I'm performing at um, is doing the entire century cycle, which is um, there are ten shows that represent the African American experience in America, specifically in Pittsburgh, um, for um, every decade of the twentieth century. And so, um, as a person of color, as a black man, this is really exciting for me to be able to get into these this role and to sink into this material because I have a lot of respect for the playwright and also the story and narrative that it's telling. Uh, and so, I'm incredibly grateful for it and, and very much looking forward.
1: What theater are you performing at?
2: Um, at the South Bend Civic Theater. Exciting. Woo! Let's go, Torrance. Thanks, friends. I appreciate that. <laughs> looking forward, Caleb?
0: Yeah, you know, just uh, wrapping up the semester, I only have one semester to go in my MBA program. Woo-woo. I'm excited to see some family in a week or so here. And yeah, I don't know. I'm just kind of looking forward to next year because I'm going to have to be making some big decisions and I think my life is going to change and I'm just going to looking forward to see how that all happens. Short and simple, short
1: and simple, which is not normal for you.
2: Wow. (laughs) What about you Terrell? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Tell us more.
1: Um, I'm looking forward to a multitude of things. Actually, one of the bigger things is I'm looking forward to more of this revisionist history that we're seeing. Um, Originally, if we had done a tangent, I would have gone more in depth about this, but the rise of Nancy Reagan on social media has really solidified <laughs> for me that we are entering an area we're in- entering an era where we're gonna take full truth, and I really appreciate that and i really i'm you guys have heard this a lot of times. I'm over the revisionist history that we've had that make it seem like the civil rights movement was a hundred years ago. I'm over the revisionist history that has allowed for these figures to kind of sit at such a high mountain when really they are standing right next to us. And if that means the downfall of Nancy Reagan, because she's a throat goat, so be it. Um, But even beyond that, it plays into my excitement for uh, this podcast and our role in that, um, I mean, this past year, we did a whole episode on the conservative narrative and how that is plaguing our media. And within two days, Nancy Pelosi was essentially saying the same things. I'm still convinced she listens to our podcast now. (laughs) Yes, she's one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hey, Nancy. It it is funny some of the stuff (laughs) we
0: talk about and seeing it in like mainstream media, like the next day. The next
1: day. I'm (laughs) like, huh.
2: I wonder how that happened, but I don't know, doing something right, doing something right.
1: (laughs) But as we branch out, I really think we are going to be a quintessential part of those pieces of um, educating people on civics, telling history better, explaining legislation and the legislative process better, doing all of these crux. And I'm excited to be a part of that journey. I'm excited to be a part of that journey with you all and I'm just looking forward to what that might bring in 2022.
2: Aww. And, and you know, if you don't mind me adding this odd, I think we, we haven't talked about it kind of openly on the pod, but something you guys may not know is that we have never recorded this episode, an episode of this podcast in the same room. Um, I have been across the country from them um, at all times. And um, come the new year, uh, we hope to, to change that. And we hope that you'll tune in. Ooh.
0: Mysterious. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah I'm really excited for what's to come and I mean we'll be gone for a while y'all but don't worry we'll be back
2: and I think we we'll to take the opportunity to thank you guys for listening as always
1: but don't forget to subscribe and also if you want to contact us feel free to email us at <laughs> plug it <laughs> feel free to email us um, likely at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram dangerously underscore likely I'm Caleb, I'm Terrell, and I'm
0: Torrance, and we're dangerously likely to talk to you next year.